Hello everyone, we're doing Thor this week. I'm Sol, with me are Calvin, son of Die. By the <laughs> might of Yorkshire, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and uh, Alan's son. <laughs> what? Thomas. Alan's son. I'm J- Johnson, actually. Well, you've, confu- you've confused us all by, by going by yeah. your surname. My dad's name is John. You're John Allen. Allen Johnson. Yeah. Mr. Allen. Mr. <laughs> Allenson. No, I'm Johnson. Thomas Johnson. What? <laughs> you said your dad's name was Johnson. No, my dad's name is John. Right. And so therefore I am Johnson. Oh, oh, okay. By the, you know, the Nordic naming ritual. <laughs> is that where my name ritual came from? Am I, am I Nordic? Is Dyson Nordic? Well, you're the son of Die. You're probably Welsh. Welsh? Welsh Viking. Oh, God. Yeah, Die. <laughs> it's not like he's called Thorson or Odinson. He is yeah, repeatedly he is. referred to as Odin's son in these films, yeah. actually. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but I, I, just, I, I took that as just a title rather than a name. But that's how well, it, that's how the Scandinavians get their names. That's why all Scandinavians are called Henriksen and Johnson and... Uh, Samuelson and things like that. So Thor, that's yes. a thing we're doing. <sighs> Marvel superheroes. We really should have just done the whole thing in order, but we're here now. And uh... well, there's a new Thor film coming out, so we're here. We are. Yeah, but this is just this is why it's so confusing. All this cinematic universe nonsense. Because oh. it's sort of like, is is the third Thor film the third in the Thor series, or is it the like twelfth? Marvel Cinematic Universe film and both. Don't, don't even get me started. I'm so sick of it. What's wrong with that? Well, <sighs> it's confusing. Oh, I don't know what order to put them in on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That is a valid reason, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's like if I alphabetical <laughs> sorted. <laughs> so we start with Captain America. <laughs> then Avengers. We have... Oh yes, we do. <laughs> no Ant Man. you put them in chronological order right that's nice and simple yeah and then you can see at a glance where it comes this is when it was nice and simple like i i I had a similar uh, feeling when we went back to the first iron man film when we looked at that going back to the first thor film it was like oh this is really easy to follow there's minimum sort of jargon and things i can't remember from other films that have happened um just a nice, straightforward story. It's building up to something else, and that's fine. Just thought it was nice. Well, I mean, I'm completely sick of this cinematic universe bullshit. Um, no, I think it's great. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, I watched Thor when it came out at the cinema, I believe. Uh, I've never seen Thor 2 until I just watched them yesterday. Right. But I watched Thor again, and I, honestly, this... These two films, the second one more so, but these two films, I just had no interest in me whatsoever. I was not engaged. I didn't care about anything mm. that was happening. I wasn't interested. I wasn't entertained. Mm. I was just incredibly bored. The first one was at least passable. It was just a watchable film. But well, and I don't like I don't like fantasy films. So it's like 
As soon yeah. as we're off Earth and it's like some orcs are fighting some elves and it's like, well, I don't care about any of this. Yeah, well, that's why I quite like the first one as well. It's like, I love all the sort of fish out of water. He's a yeah. Norse god in small town mm. America. That's all quite nice. And then when you get into the second one and it's opening with dramatic Anthony Hopkins narration of on the planet of mythicongriac. That's, that's, that's literally how the first one opens as well. Maybe I forgive it more because most of the action <laughs> is on Earth. Yeah, well, there's, there's more action on Earth in the second one. Do you think? No, no I think they're in um, Isengard. Is it Isengard? When things is it? flying around through portals into Greenwich, shooting up London. Yeah, but they just sort of pop in every now and then. Is it Isengard? No, it's Asgard. Asgard. Okay. But in the in the even in the first one, when we're in Asgard, we're like in Asgard, and it's like okay, it's like an old style uh, monarchy with here's the king and the court and stuff like that. I can get in bo- on board with that. But then it's when it's like oh look, we're over to that planet. It's like a north uh, an alien with a northern accent speaking an alien language. Like, <laughs> and this sort of interspace battles, and it's like oh, I'm just and it's uh, fair enough. People are into that. Whatever space battles. Yeah. That sounds like science fiction to me, not fantasy. Well, it sounds like Star Wars science fiction, which is fantasy, so... <laughs> we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Mm. <laughs> so, should we talk specifically about the first one, then? Um, it, it, it's worth noting the context in which the first Thor came out, because mm. I think it's very easy to forget. And... Go on, then. Give us it. Well, Thor was the fourth film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. Um after Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2. And it was very much the the film that really established what they were going to do, I think. Because Iron Man came out, it was a surprise hit. But it was a very conventional superhero film, really. Mm. It, it wasn't even a particularly unconventional blockbuster. Mm. It, it was very much what people were used to yeah, at the time. And it, and it sort of it achieved success through personality, really. Mm. Um, not just Robert Downey Jr., but very much that. But it just had, yeah. a, it had a good feel to it. It had charm, it had charisma. Yeah. Uh, and it, and all you need. And The Incredible Hulk came out, but a lot of people didn't watch it and weren't aware that it was connected. And I mean, you know, it was a big blockbuster film, but it wasn't the tentpole that Marvel films are now. Mm. And... I like it, but a lot of people weren't that keen on it. Uh, then Iron Man Two came out. <laughs> Iron Man Two came out, and it was very much a well, just your standard Hollywood sequel, and we'll, yeah. we'll do an episode on it one day. Mm. So I won't go into my thoughts on it too much. But so Thor and Captain America, which was in production at the same time, were very much the start of Marvel really establishing what they were doing, because they were the first sort of superhero films that were willing to explore genre outside of just action, adventure, bit of sci-fi. And Thor was very much, we're going to make a fantasy superhero film. Mm. And Captain America was obviously, we're going to make a World War II period piece superhero mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Um, but Thor was the first time that really, I think, a company had tried something like this. Certainly within a clear-cut superhero marketing, you know, yeah. Um, what the hell is Kenneth Branagh directing this film for? What's that I remember about? We, we had a lot of discussions about it around the time, about how curious it was. But I, I, I quite liked it's when, when these films were... It is weird. I can't think of anything... It's not that weird. But it did make it did feel like at the time that Marvel were making these unconventional director they choices. They they are more now than ever. 
Okay. Thor, Thor Ragnarok, not to get ahead of ourselves, the film we're doing this to tie into was directed by Taika Watiki, a man who's made, well, Flight of the Concords predominantly. Um, he makes a little independent New Zealand films. This is really his first blockbuster. Mm. And the, the director of the second Thor film was um, a guy with just a huge TV career behind him, like, very high profile TV, but oh, really? not, a, not a movie guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. Didn't know that. It was, it was, it was actually going to be Patty Jenkins, hmm. who you may be aware of for having just directed Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there were the usual creative differences and what have you. Mm. She, uh, she left the the project, and they had to get a last minute person in to replace and they went for someone who's just done like Game of Thrones and stuff because it was mm. a cheap safe bet I suppose. Um, yeah. I did well I, I I mean even then though those options make sense to me it's like someone who's done a load of little films who can be sort of easily controlled and someone else who's you know done a lot of TV mm. but maybe not that much blockbuster film but Kenneth Branagh was a name you know more as an actor probably than a director. Well... Yeah, but look at who else did Phase 1 Marvel films. John Favreau directed Iron Man. Yeah. Joe Johnston directed Captain America. Yeah, exactly. Joss Whedon did The Avengers. Exactly. All... all high profile, like... Um... John Favreau was not a big blockbuster director. Was he not? He'd made Elf and Zathura, which were both sort of smallish... Great films. <laughs> But they're not they're not blockbuster. They're, <laughs> yeah, no, he hasn't I proven see what you himself mean. in yeah. that playing field. Yeah. Before yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, that's true. But I think Marvel kind of always have taken the approach of let's get interesting up and coming directors. They'll be relatively cheap, but they'll also bring some vision that we want to the films. Again though, that's not Kenneth Branagh. He's not an upcoming interesting he's an interesting choice. Well he but is insofar as you say he he hasn't made a huge blockbuster before. Mm. So it's kind of, yeah, you've proven you can make the Shakespearean drama, mm. but can you make something a bit bigger? Well, here's your chance. Mm. And and obviously, you know, there's, there's a flavour, there's a clear flavour with most of these directors that they're trying to inject. Joe Johnston, it will, that sort of gung-ho Americana, that's exactly what you want in Captain America. Mm. Mm. Um John Favreau, background in comedy, you know, you wanted that light touch mm. on, on Iron Man. Exactly. James Gunn makes fucked up weird <laughs> films, so it's sort of like, yeah, give him the one with the talking tree, that makes sense. And here I guess they're and... talking all, like, oldie language a lot of it. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. They all talk like a bloody Shakespeare play. Yeah. And... <laughs> I mean, I can't say I really see his influence greatly. It seems... I don't know. It feels very... Like a, just a studio film for the most part, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Other than all the Dutch angles. <laughs> I, I wanted more comedy in it. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, see... It, it, has, so, I mean, it, it does, Marvel does have a bit of tongue-in-cheek nature about it in general. And it definitely mm. needed it with this because there's so many silly... Like, it's just a man in a silly cape with a bloody hammer of the... It's it is there's an innate silliness to it. Yes, I think you just yeah. need you just need to sort of and puncture that by that. Yeah, they do. I just felt like it, it it wanted a little bit more, I think. Would you have preferred a full-blown comedy? I mean, I would have. I completely yeah, I I think this this film it's sad that it wasn't a full full-blown comedy. Mm. But I think even Marvel acknowledged that. This like I say, this came this was a somewhat daring film for them, really. They were treading the water a bit seeing how much they could get away with. 
Nowadays, we've had Guardians of the Galaxy. They know they can just make a full-blown comedy. That's why Thor Ragnarok appears to be pretty much that, from what I can gather. Yeah. Mm. You remember um, when I said uh, we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, and I said, I'm worried that this they're just going to make all, all the superhero films like this now, mm. uh, with this sort of, like, retro, tongue-in-cheek, we're all, we're all in on the joke kind of attitude. Yeah. And they're definitely going down that road. Yeah. I don't know if they are. Oh, they so are. You, you, you've seen the trailer for Ragnarok? Yeah, it's brilliant. But just because Thor's doing it, I, like you just said, Thor kind of needs that approach to work. Mm-hmm. We'll see. So just because they're doing that with Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy and the cosmic side of things doesn't mean they're doing it with all of them. So Natalie Portman's an odd choice, right? Oh, oh. what is Natalie Portman doing in this? Oh, she leave looks, her she alone. looks so out of place. She doesn't want to be there. No, but that's the thing. It's odd because she so clearly doesn't want to do it. So why is she doing it? She doesn't need to. <laughs> she could probably have been a superhero herself if she wanted. It's I think that's short. what's sad, to be honest, because like she could lead one of these films as a hero, yeah. whether it be Wonder Woman or something like that. And now she's just she's not coming back for the third one, as far as I understand. But she has said, "Well, maybe they'll maybe they'll want me for Avengers Seven somewhere down the line, and I'll just do that." She didn't want to do the second one. Well, she didn't want to do the first one, judging by the way she acted in it. <laughs> oh. But, I mean, they, they actively had to invoke her contractual obligation to return. Mm. She did an interview before the second one saying, oh, I mean, I'm contracted to do more, but, you know, I don't think... I don't think I'll bother. I don't think they want... You know, I don't think they'll need me. Oh. And then she's in the second one, and it's like, oh, right. <laughs> huh, she wasn't. She was really not happy about being in the Star Wars prequels, either. She, why did she do this? Well, Star Wars, she was that was one of her first things starting out. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I don't know why she did Thor because I guess like it's I say, money? it's not like well, she doesn't need the money. She's Ooh, she how how can you speak not, for her financial? Yeah, it's not like she's headlining a list of films all the time. She's it, she's, she's not been out buying stolen fossils like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> that she's. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's probably. I mean, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, who knows? You sign on, you think, oh, Kenneth Branagh's doing it, we'll be alright. Branagh? And then, Kenneth Branagh, darling. That's how you, that's how you pronounce it in the in the, in the world of theatre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's directing, maybe you think, oh, this might actually be legitimate, this Marvel thing's looking quite big now. Mm. Um, I'll do it. And then you're actually doing it, and you go, oh, this is a load of shite, isn't it? But again, Thor <laughs> was early days Marvel. Yeah, it wasn't quite the powerhouse. It was pre-Avengers, you know? It wasn't quite the institution it is now. Hmm. I don't know what she's doing in the films, and I'm just I'm just sad every time she's on screen, to be honest. Oh, no, I like her bits. I like her and Kat Dennings and Stellan Skarsgård fumbling around with science stuff and whatever. <laughs> Kat Dennings is another weird one. She is. Well, they, they brought her in for a little... She, well, she's essentially the comic relief, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you're going to put that character in, give her a bit more because you've yeah. got you've got your Natalie Portman, you've got your other, you've got Stellan Skarsgård, who's the other like I'm the big sciencey guy. We, we're working mm. on this, and then have the kind of like, oh, I'm just the kid here driving the van. Oh dear, I'm not even and paid. I, I'm an intern. But like, make that a bit, make that more of it. Yeah, give him mm. something to do. And she mm. did what she could, but they're just you know, and and I think I mean again, I I just I don't really know what she's doing. I think she's good, generally. I don't think what she's doing is bad, but it feels like she's doing three-wall sitcom, uh, three-wall sitcom acting. 
Yeah. And that's not what this project is. Yeah. And the yeah. directors should have directed her a bit better, to be honest, because it, mm. it doesn't quite gel with everything else in the film. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I... I like Stellan Skarsgård. He's good. He's great. I, th- I think he's. I think he feels more in line with what they're going for than the rest of the science crew. Yeah, mm. yeah. I do have a question about that character, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what the hell's going on with him in the second film? I don't know. Um, am I supposed to understand what's going on? Because I don't. What are you I talking don't... about? That's following on from the Avengers, where he was possessed by Loki. Ah, it was in another film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, that's why I didn't know that. Yeah. I can't remember yeah, exactly what was, happened. Well, it, well, he was possessed by Loki in the Avengers, but then that doesn't that, really answer what mad. he's doing. And well, he's, he just said his brain fucked up with. I mean, I, what would you be like if a Norse god possessed you? Exactly like this. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, so just to be clear then, when I was watching Thor 2, the reason I didn't understand the character development was because there was a completely different film that I hadn't seen. Mm. No, I don't, I don't think yes. that's true. Fucking shitty I, cinematic universe. Otherwise, how the hell would you explain that? It's a messy film with a lot of problems. Well, I mean, <laughs> that aside. Weird attempts at humour that don't really work. No, no, no. It's, it's, he's, he's had his brain screwed with and that's why he's, um, yeah, mm. all running yeah, around naked like at Stonehenge. I didn't like that particularly. Um, I liked him in the first film. No, I agree. I, I I felt like, well, to be honest, he just felt completely unnecessary and like didn't need to be there in the second one. So there's uh, there's Rene Russo as uh, yeah. Frigga, who is Odin's wife. Who she, she doesn't do much, does she? Well, she barely cameos in the first one, mm. and then all of a sudden in the second one, she's like they're having a few early scenes specifically with her, and I'm like, okay, well, she's definitely dead then because they didn't <laughs> spend any time on her in the first one. So uh, yeah, and then all of a sudden she's got all this emotional weights in the second film. We're supposed to feel really bad that she dies. It's, well, mm. Okay, I understand she had a lot of um, scenes cut. It's nice for Rene Russo getting some work. <laughs> And then, of of course, we have our two um, stars, really. Of the well, not stars, but the leads, um, other than Natalie Portman. Yeah, not even leads. I'm just leave. I'm leaving one to the last for obvious reasons. Um, we have Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Yes. So, mm-hmm. uh, who is he's good? Isn't he very lovely? Yes, very nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rel- relatively unknown at the time, like he was. Yeah, he was an well, this, open yeah, they, was, they threw him this in was there his breakout as the performance, yeah. really. And now the Hemsworths are everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he does a, does a good job, and he's got a, he's got a charisma with it. That's what he needed. I mean, he he's, he's great anyway. That's... He's he's really yeah. He's got a lot of yeah. charisma, and he has to do these stupid lines, but he uh... yeah, and he's 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 so good at just selling that earnest nonsense yeah. and yeah. Mm-hmm. having the right level of. Tongue in cheek about it to exactly. get away with it, yeah. and yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Um, and you don't get the impression that he's like the greatest actor in the world, mm. but he really doesn't need to be. He, like this is this is a performance that just gets by on charisma, I think, more than yeah. anything, and that's that's fine. That's that's yeah, all. You I, 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 I will say agree. though, there's a, there's a couple of moments where he's at, he needs to do some proper emoting, and he gets the job. Oh done. yeah, no, uh, he's, he's. I think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be afraid to watch him in something with a bit more weight. I'm I'm sure he could yeah. handle it. Mm. I could believe he could. And then of course we have the well, he's he's sort of the he sort of became the lead character almost of these films. The 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 one that people were. 
going to see them for. Tom Hiddleston as Loki, the mm. uh, villain of the first one, but antagonist, anti-hero, semi-villain of later films. Mm. This is a note I made about these films, actually. It's something I liked about them, which is that they are sort of embracing a moral grey area in terms of the bad guy and, and having them closely emotionally linked with the protagonist uh, and having that mm. complicated relationship. And so he's not quite a bad guy. We kind of understand his motivations. And then they have, aside to that, the bad guys, which are the Frost Men in the first one, and mm. then Christopher Eccleston in the next one, so that, so that you've got someone who is just evil and we can write, kill them, kill them, kill them. But then they've got this other antagonist... Because of their complex relationship and their brothers, it's yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic and yeah. it gives us something to work with. I like that. I like that what they did with it that they embraced that. So yeah. yeah, and I think you know again the performance from Hiddleston's brilliant. He really gets that role, hams it up just perfectly. I mean, I'm I'm really liking the look of Kate Blanchett in the third one. I'm assuming she's the villain. Yeah. Um. Well, she looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she looks, looks like she's gonna have great. fun with it. Um. But I I thought she was one of the few redeeming things of Indiana Jones Four. So when I watched the trailer for that and Kate Blanchett in that, it was that was Power Rangers. That is. <laughs> yes. It is. <laughs> well, do you know who she's playing? Um. Rita Repulsa. <laughs> oh, you remembered! You know, you know, it took me three seconds that gap there. When I was trying to figure out what that name was. <laughs> Not quite that sharp. <laughs> like th- this should prove the point about how they had to take baby steps to get to the point that they're willing to do this. But my understanding is her character is essentially the literal personification of death, and I think she has a proper name other than that. But. I think she is essentially the Grim Reaper of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like a god of death. And I think so, because in the comics, um, Thanos, the big bad they're setting up. Ah, Josh Brolin. The bit, yeah. Mm. In the comics, he was obsessed with death, like quite literally, and basically had fallen in love with death, literal personification of death, and so was hell bent on just murdering people and at one point literally kills half of the universe with some MacGuffin um, (laughs) to impress her and just say, look, I'm really into you. Look how many people I'm killing. So it seems like... Where she's like, I've got to do all the paperwork for all this. (laughs) This is not what I wanted. (laughs) So how do we feel about Tom Hiddleston then? Uh, Loki. He's Uh, great. Yeah, the character. Yeah, yeah. Great, great character. I much prefer him in the second one where he does do the Hannibal Lecter thing, as you said, so and goes. Yeah, he's, he's go he goes lighter and lighter in the second one. He's a bit more mm. jokey with it. In the first one, it felt like they hadn't quite established. It's season one, Homer Simpson, isn't it? Asking yeah. everyone to go out for chocolate well, I... frosty milkshakes, and then the Avengers was like season four, season three, when they kind of figured out what they were doing with him. And <laughs> but I think these films are very reactive as well to audiences. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone in the audience is really disappointed that Natalie Portman's character wouldn't come back. But if Loki didn't mm. come back, uh, you know, he oh, obviously yeah. went down very well. And I'm a, I'm a bit sad that they've just dropped her, just because it's the same thing that they had with the Transformers movies when they just got rid of Megan Fox. It just feels a bit frustrating and disingenuous if you spend two movies 
bigging up this grand romance, mm. and then you're just like, ah, fuck it. And I know that's arguably I wanna, more No, I want to talk about that. But... That is another one of my big issues with these films, that if you're going to make a love story and make the whole story hang on it, like make big character choices hang on that love story, then at least convince me that there's an emotional connection there. Mm-hmm. At least spend some time building an emotional connection. Yeah. And they do not do that in either of these films. And then mm-hmm. we have to believe that this guy is going to give up his the throne and his entire like, life to go and meet his girlfriend who he's known for about 25 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't make it, and I just don't buy into it on an emotional level. Mm. I, I I think overall it's a solid film. The first one, it's. Good I agree. Fun. Yeah, it's very light, and it kind of yes. feels like it. It doesn't quite fulfill its potential mm. in a lot of ways. But I think it's you know it's very enjoyable. Yes. It really felt to me actually rewatching it again last night. It really felt like a throwback to stuff that was made in the eighties that you don't really get anymore. Stuff mm. like Splash and Big. Yeah. Yeah. It was really just light, fun. Well, fish out the fish out of water comedies, but um, <laughs> quite literally yeah. in the case of Splash. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what do we think about Thor: The Dark World? Then the sequel. Yeah. So this was far more into what Marvel is as a an entity now, but still, mm. this was the first post Avengers film. So the Avengers was the big culmination of everything Marvel had been working to at that mm. point, and they'd pulled it off, and people were really happy and excited to see where they went next. Oh, sorry, no, it's not the first one, is it? Iron Man 3 was the first post-Avengers film. Oh, yeah, it was. But this was the second one. I was, was, I was just show... trying to take your word on it, regardless of research. <laughs> oh, no, no, I completely blanked it. But it was one of the first um, films sort of laying out mm. the basically proving to audiences that there was still life in the concept, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, I I don't dislike this film, but I think it's bottom-tier Marvel, really. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's um, one of their weakest efforts to date, I think. I, I, I agree, I, and I, I watched this film today for the first time, and I just did not engage with it in any way. I wasn't interested mm. in anything that yeah. happened. It just did not get and pull me in at all. It's one of those films where when I'm watching it, every individual scene is fine. There's sort of nice set design and acting and things in it. There's lots of good stuff there. But I just kind of switch off because it's just a bit long and like you say, just unengaging. And mm. it just doesn't quite like I can sit there watching them throwing bottles through portals and things like that but i'm not watching that going oh my god amazing i can't wait to see where this is going it's just sort of like all right mm. then what mm. yeah i think there's a, there's a bit too much sort of set on the uh, asgard 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 oh, yes yeah there's a, a yeah. bit too much going um, on there to the, yeah. to the point that you just feel like you're watching uh uh well an animation really it's in all the <laughs> battle sequences it just feels like there's no mm. And I'm, that's not a dig at animation, but if you're going to invest me in yeah. real people and then they just no, look like Tomb Raider flying around on a spaceship <laughs> or whatever, then yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and there are there's there's only two women in Asgard, right? His mother and then the 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 lady warrior. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I guess so. <laughs> that really annoyed me actually. Whenever they went to a different planet and the name of the planet would come up along the bottom, and it was like. 
There are no... Spackanacknickle. It was like, there are no vowels in this word. What is <laughs> like, It's like Wales. It's just a town in Wales. <laughs> but I like that they went to the effort of telling the audience. Like, I'm assuming there's people somewhere in a cinema that are getting really like, oh, they're on the planet. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, the, well, the thing is, like, I really like the high fantasy nonsense in the first film. I like that it's there and it's played so earnestly because it is this cheesy nonsense, but then that's offset with reality and it kind of needs to be played earnestly for mm. the story on Earth to work as a counterpoint to it. Yeah. And, and I like that there's an element of, fuck it, let's just be sincere about what we're doing. But... In the second one, it really just falls into boring fantasy ugh, appendices of yeah, yeah. notes on the history of the... And and I don't know if... I don't think it's quite as thought out as that. I just don't care about all the different battles and planets and races. And So so what is the second one? Um, Christopher Eccleston plays a, an unrecognisable elf. Well, I yes. recognise his voice. <laughs> I was I, I didn't know it was him on my first watching. It was only when I looked at the cast afterwards. I was like, oh, okay. But um, I, I, I actually, I really don't like any of the villains in this one. And I think a large part of it is because of the character design. I th- they all look like minions as opposed to like a big bad uh, <laughs> yeah. main guy. Um, you don't. You don't mean <laughs> if they did it as minions, Kevin Bob and Oh Stuart. no, I didn't mean min- No, I didn't mean like actual minion minion minions. <laughs> I mean, I meant like you know underlings. Um, I didn't really like the villains. They're all after this um, smoke or something. Um, what's it doing? It it gets on Natalie Portman at one point, and then like Ugh, she stops yeah. rain or something. I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah. If if you touch her, you die or something. I don't. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. That policeman touches her, and then uh... it blows the explosion. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I like that. Well, I I don't know why they're in Britain. I don't know if that was explained at any point, but I didn't. Whatever. I did like the kind of realistic representation of the British police where he had like a truncheon like going up against Thor. Going, um, you get back now. Come on. <laughs> I like, I quite like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did enjoy that. I love how they don't even seem, because this is after the Avengers. So presumably they all know who this guy is because the Avengers are celebrities in this world now. But the policemen just seem to be like, all right, man with cape. Come on. Well, come along yeah, now. The, the, I think this is a real, I think Marvel have really, they've, you know, landed nicely into the groove now. They know how to handle that sort of thing and the the sort of continuity with that kind of thing a lot more now. Mm. Um, but this being one of the very first films, I think was in production, um, pre-production, whilst The Avengers was oh, um, right. yeah. coming out and stuff. Mm. And I think did have a bit of troubled, uh, a bit of a troubled time behind the scenes from what I can gather. I know Joss Whedon had to come in and do a pass over the script, which is amazing to think because it's not like it's a very witty Mm. script really well speaking of that bigger world there's one point he comes back down it's been two years and she's like where the fuck have you been for two years you said you were coming right back uh i thought we were in love um and then and he goes like love i'm sorry i I smashed up the rainbow bridge couldn't get back (laughs) i had to fight some rainbow road i had to fight some wars and shit and then she was like okay fair enough but then she's like um, actually, I saw you on TV smashing up New York, um, which I presume is a reference to Avengers. Yeah. Um, why didn't you like finish that? Pop over, have a word, uh, <laughs> and they and they just sort of shove that under the carpet. Whereas, like, if he could get back, I thought the point was he couldn't get back, but obviously he could. 
because mm. he did it in the Avengers. He did mm. it right there and then as soon as uh, Idris Elba. It really got to annoyed me that actually. In that, that's one of the biggest complaints I have with these films. Just is that they smash up that bridge at the end of the first film. Didn't really need to happen. They didn't need to do that. And I, and it was obvious. Like right, well now they're going to have to spend twenty minutes in the Avengers dealing with this. Then in, in the Avengers, Joss Whedon made the very smart decision to be like, nah, fuck it. He just he, his father uses magic and wishes him to Earth. We don't mm. need to deal with that shit. We're just going to deal with our own thing here. Yeah. But then the ramifications of that on the next Thor movie are the like you say. Well, now you've got a massive issue with continuity. Yeah. Even if you just wrote it in that he'd went to see her and said, "Look, I'm sorry. I'm dealing with a kind of in- intergalactic war thing." I'm kind of the heir to the throne. I've got a lot of shit going on right now. And I can't mm. spend time with you. I need to go off and do this. And she has to kind of reluctantly accept that. Mm. That's fine. And then like two years later, he's back and he's like, do you know what? Let's get it on now. Things are chilling out a bit. Oh, wait a minute. Something's kicking off. We have to do this. Oh, mm. you're you're possessed by smoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, Alan. I was thinking about you a lot when I was watching these, just thinking, oh, Alan must be hating this. I just kind of phased out. I, I, I didn't, I just didn't engage. You know what annoys me? Like, ever since, and I know that they're they're aware of this issue and that they try to sort of work around it, but the fact that they have to sort of, you know, that, that Thor can't just be like, oh, you know what? I've got Iron Man's number. Let me call him. He'll be over here soon and he'll sort of help us out. And, you know, oh, there's Hulk. Yeah, no, he can come along as well. It's like. But if they were to do that, you'd both be whining about it, saying, oh, for God's sake, they're bringing in that one now, are they? And they do do that a bit anyway. That's what they're doing in Thor 3, Mm -hmm. Thor and Hulk. And I'm I'm fine with it. It's, I don't. Well, that's what. I think that's what they ought to be doing. I think that's that's their shtick. Stick Mm. them all together, Mm. give us different flavor combos. Um, okay, here's another uh, <clears throat> another thing. Uh, I've always this is something that crops up in films quite a lot, and I always kind of I never quite get it. I never quite understand it, and it's the find out you're adopted and go a bit mental storyline. Mm. Where and now I'll grant you in this film it's a bit more justified because he kind of finds out that he's essentially their arch ne- enemy. Um, I think it's a bit more justified as well because they are drawing upon real old school Norse legend, yeah, and, old and English legend, which is very much that sort of yeah, the lion, the blood of your father, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And mm. he's the heir to the throne, or he's not the heir to the throne. Um, but yeah, so I go within this, but in the second one particularly, it bothered me because. The way it was being played, it was like a 15-year-old who just found out that he was adopted. And it was just all came across as a bit childish, a bit petty. Where mm. it, it needed to be Loki played is. deeper, I think. Yeah, but the, the guy's 32 years old or whatever. So it's like, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it just seems childish. And I, I it needed more depth to it, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and the, and it, like it, it, it could have justified having more depth there. And like we, it sort of hints at it, you know. He has this moment with his mother, mm. but that, yeah, it just seems as like it comes across as him just being a sort of, yeah, sort of a knobhead fourteen-year-old, like going, "Oh, I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> You're not my real mum, anyway." <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I agree. It all, it all I, I think it's because of just the story that's around it that feels that they're going for this whole epic. 
feel and to get bogged mm. down in such a thing is um and I get that they need to put in some kind of emotional story, but I yeah, mm. don't love it. Yeah. So uh broad thoughts on on the second one, guys. Uh, I like that it's set in London and I like I like the assault on Asgard when Christopher Eccleston and um Adewale Aknoye Ajabaji. I like it when Christopher Eccleston and him like go and. <laughs> I mean, I'm no expert on like Nigerian names, but I'm pretty sure you didn't nail that one. Oh what? Oh. <laughs> but I, a lot of the action in this second one is just people hitting like swords against swords and uh, boring. Well, I, I I don't know. Like I, I always have a soft spot for. We've all often talked about personal boxes being ticked, and for some reason, I do like it when a hero's established base is subject to uh, an uh, unexpected assault. It's a very niche <laughs> box. But... An unexpected assault? Or one they have time to <laughs> no, unexpected. home alone? So you don't like the last Harry Potter film because they were anticipating it? Yes, actually. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Okay. My favourite episodes of Power Rangers are always the one when the command centre was under attack. <laughs> Ivan Ooze has come in and he's zapping things. I, I don't know. What are your um, broad thoughts on this one, Alan? Uh, shit. <laughs> huh. Better than the first? No. Oh. It's interesting, because I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember having a chat with you in about 2013, Calvin, and you said you'd been to see Thor The Dark World, and you really enjoyed it, and you were saying how much you loved it. I... And how you normally don't like Marvel films, but this one really did it for you. Yeah, I did say that then. Um, and then I watched it, I'd only watched it again today, and I was sort of, I was spending most of it thinking, why did I think that? Uh, I don't know, it's probably like Alan with, um, what was that film that he loved? Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, yeah, I think it was like... I didn't love it, I thought it was alright, and then I realised it was... Oh, no, no, yeah, 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 I didn't love (laughs) Thor The Dark World, but I thought it was fine, and everyone, I think everyone was hating on it, and I was like, ah, it's fine, whatever. And then watching it again, it's like, I don't hate it, but I... It's not Saw 4, but it's... You know what it's really lacking in is... um, Saw 5, sorry. The witty little one-liners. Because I think there was an anticipation there was going to be more of that. Because you've got Loki in it. It's post-Avengers. Joss Whedon's done a bit of script polishing. Yeah. And yet the, the dialogue... At one point, Thor shouts, I'll see you in hell, monster, and smacks a thing with a hammer. And there's no... There's no joke there, mm. and we've been we've been primed to expect a joke. Mm. And I bet you in Thor Ragnarok there'll be a joke. I bet you will say, "It's hammer time." <laughs> <laughs> oh, how has he never said that? that oh my god, it's so obvious. <laughs> if that's not in the new film, I'll eat my hat. <laughs> um. So yeah, the the new one, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, do you do you guys know what Ragnarok is? It's Norse apocalypse, isn't it? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I watched the trailer. That's all I know. I I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I think I'll hate it. I think it looks like Marvel at its best. Ah, uh... which probably equates to Marvel at its worst for someone like Alan. <laughs> <laughs> The whole film's meant to be very retro throwback somehow, and I don't really know why, or... I guess because Guardians of the Galaxy, but... Yeah. 
Maybe I don't really know, but I'm, it just, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to wait till I've seen the film to all right. See if if, if, if they justify it, if they're doing that in a Guardians of the Galaxy style, I guarantee at some point he listens to MC Hammer. I guarantee <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't know if he will. Though. I think Taika Waititi is very um, Taika Waititi. Sorry, I think he's very um, self-aware that that might be a bit hacky. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know about that. Have you seen the short film he made about what Thor's been doing no. in the meantime? No. Breaking up with Natalie Portman. <laughs> he he made a little Marvel one shot. I think they screened it at Comic Con a few years ago, and it was just what Thor's been up to since the Avengers two with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Oh, cool. Why he wasn't in Captain America: Civil War, and it's 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 just a mockumentary. It's just him talking to camera going, oh yeah, I got got myself this apartment here, here's my my roommate, and there's just like this normal office worker guy who's like, hey, and it's just, it's really odd. I think it was them kind of establishing a tone for the film, but it, but hmm. it's a it's a full-blown comedy, it's a mockumentary with just Thor going to the bank and things like that. All right, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go into my pitch, right? Because we we seem you've we've pretty much nailed every element of it already just in discussion <laughs> oh, about wow. that. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. And that is because basically my pitch is forget all the Asgard stuff. Thor has to live on Earth in a kind of fish out of water crocodile Dundee suburban commando kind of way. Hmm. Uh, and it's so it's just Thor dealing with everyday stuff. Uh, which it sounds like that's what they were doing in that. Yeah, <laughs> um, so that was that is my pitch, and I've even you know I, I've addressed the fact that Natalie Portman's not in it. She's refused to. Ah, come they back. don't do that. I don't think so. Like, although they might mention a breakup, I'm not sure. He's moved to like Australia or something. They must do. In, they surely they must the acknowledge short. it. I mean, they brought her up in the second Avengers film when she wasn't there. If you remember that, they have a bit where mm. it's like. A character says, "Hey, where's Natalie Portman?" And Thor's like, "Oh, she's giving a National Peace Day conference or something." Okay, well, I've put <laughs> he's gone to live on Earth with her, but she's fucked off, and I've put that she's gone to do like an expedition in the Antarctic or something. But then, so then they just introduce another love interest that we're supposed to completely accept uh, with no questions asked, like Transformers mm-hmm. Three or whichever one it was. Yeah, yeah, and then. I thought that the film itself is just a badly assembled series of sketches uh, with not quite enough plot to validate it. Hmm. Uh, most of them focusing on, you know, Thor trying to fit into a society. I, the only thing I definitely thought has to happen, somebody who's like dressed like Michael Jackson in Thriller uh, tries to mug him with a hammer and he goes, that's not a hammer. <laughs> this is a oh, hammer. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually a spoon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, okay, what about if uh, <clears throat> Thor, he, he doesn't really understand the concept of telephones, and so he loses his job as a secretary for the Ghostbusters, because <laughs> he doesn't know. So. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> it's yes. the same actor, you see. Yes, I didn't <laughs> see, see the film. <laughs> you haven't seen Ghostbusters? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. No one did. I saw it, it was um, not that good. He was good in it, actually. So what about if he... Because he can't get a he can't get a decent job because he's too weird, uh, so he starts he starts trying to earn a living as a Thor impersonator. Um, <laughs> you know, there's the people who just walk around the streets in fancy dress and expect you to pay to have a picture taken with them. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, maybe he gets run off the patch because by some other Thor impersonators 
who could be hmm. played by Luke Hemsworth and Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And then, like, he, he gets a job as a model, uh, becomes an actor, uh, and goes for an audition for the role of Thor in the Hollywood uh, reimagining of the real-life events of the Avengers. Um, hmm. I'm not trying to figure out how meta I can go with this. I mean, I, I'm waiting for that to happen in one of the films. They, they will go there, I'm sure, at some point. Um, I mean, I haven't really got a proper plot because um, I just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I've got a proper plot. <laughs> All right, go on then. Uh, my, my pitch begins with um, Thor. We're going to carry on directly from the second film. And Thor is now living a civilian life in London with Natalie Portman, Stellan Skarsgård and Kat Dennings. Um, it's clear that not much time has passed since the events of the Dark World and Thor is preparing dinner for his friends and it's clear that there's something on his mind. He's building up the courage to tell them something but keeps chickening out at the last minute and they're aware of this so they're trying to coax out of him. And eventually the trio like, corner him and get him to say what's on his mind. But just as he's about to reveal it, there's a blinding flash of light in the middle of the dining room. And there stands a large, strong, beautiful, blonde-haired lady. Thor! she cries. And the god explains to the humans that this is his wife, Sif. This is like real like Norse god stuff. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I thought you were doing about how they, they rebooted the Thor comics with a female Thor recently. Um, no, 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 the, like in actual North, Norse mythology, um, Thor had a wife called Sif, so um, yeah, she that, comes that, back, she comes to Earth, and it turns out that um, the pair of them were married hundreds of years ago, but uh, the wife ran off with Benicio Del Toro. Could we have uh, Thor's mother-in-law character? Who's <laughs> <laughs> like... Yes. Uh, played by... Um, Julie Andrews. Oh, yes! Perfect! <laughs> I think that would work really nicely. And she'll she'll wear a cream pantsuit, like she does in every film she's been in in the past 20 years. Um, anyway, uh, it turns out that Sif and Thor were married hundreds of years ago, but she ran off with Benicio Del Toro. Um, but now he's run off Is with th- a... Is this still part of Norse mythology? Is Benicio del Toro an Oscar? <laughs> no, no. Benicio del Toro is in the what, Sol. What's his character's name? The Collector. It's a good name, isn't it? So she ran off with the Collector, but now he's run off with uh, Howard the Duck. So she's <laughs> oh, come back to that Thor. Sneaky duck. <laughs> <laughs> he's always trying to shag women. It's what he does. So now she's back, and she wants to get back with Thor, and she wants him to uh, forgive her, but he just wants a divorce. So um, it's a comedy, if you didn't guess already. So the most of the film is sort of Thor trying to get a divorce from his wife, and she's like, no, marry me again. Oh no, keep married to me, that's the one. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the, um, in real life, there is speculation that Sif was the goddess of fertility, which means we're going to have plenty of fun scenes where she gets really horny and needs to have sex like right there and then or she'll cause some kind of explosion. And Thor has to basically find someone else to sleep with her or uh, <laughs> Natalie Portman will be upset. <laughs> so is, that, um, is Natalie Portman in it? Yes, yes. Oh. I, I, you know, she, well, she said she didn't want to do anymore, but she's going to read this script <laughs> and <laughs> she's going to be like, yep, right. That's the, this is the kind of film I need to be making right now. Um, so, um, we're going to get Loki involved as well, um, as he's snooping around. And now this is based on, um, a real 
legend um, that comes from Sif. Wait, um, Sif. Sif is the wife. Uh, yes. Because Sif, Sif is the character, the female warrior character in Thor. Oh, is she? Yeah, she's called Sif. Oh crap! I wonder if she's based on that. Because I definitely picked up on the fact. Well, I didn't know it was that legend that it was a wife or anything. But there's a couple of moments between them where I was thinking, like, oh, is this going to turn into a thing where she's like going to get jealous because she wants Thor? There's just a few little looks that I thought yeah. they, they were leading to something like, oh, there's going to be a love interest there. But oh. then it sort of got derailed by him with Natalie Portman. Oh yeah, you're right. But, it is Sif. But that's oh. interesting. I mean, they might have just taken that as a female warrior name, or but they might have mm. been thinking, oh, we could use this in the future. They get married or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe Natalie Portman, you know, should have known. If she'd have known her Norse mythology. Stellan Skarsgård should have told her. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, so Loki gets involved around this point in my pitch because he's snooping around and trying to cause trouble. Um, Loki. He actually, Thor and Sif actually come to an agreement that, yes, she's going to grant him a divorce and it's all going to be fun. And Loki spies this and misinterprets it as, um, oh, they're getting back together. So one night, Loki sneaks into Sif's bedroom and cuts her hair off and puts, <laughs> and puts the scissors in, in Thor's hand. Um, who is asleep on the sofa and Sif comes in in the morning and she's really pissed off and she says that unless Thor can replace her hair she won't grant him the divorce um, so that's is this, Thor- is this a is this a, a Norse legend because it sounds like the sort of shite that old school yes. religion has yes yeah. it is <laughs> so um, this sends Thor off an adventure to find these dwarves who can spin gold as fine as um, hair and imbue it with magic that will make Sif's uh, beautiful blonde hair grow back. So we can have some action sequences here because the dwarves are going to be bad and, I don't know, we can get um, David Tennant to play one of them. And uh, Well, what's what's wrong with Peter Dinklage all of a sudden? Oh, no, no. Oh, sorry, I was going down the Doctor Who route. Uh, but yeah, Peter Dinklage, Vern Troyer. <laughs> uh, Warwick Davis is available. Warwick Davis, yes. <laughs> His um, agent's on the phone. <laughs> So we have a lot of action sequences here, and Thor restores Sif's hair, and she forgives him. Um, because while while he was away getting the hair, she started a relationship with Stellan Skarsgård. So everyone lives happily ever after, and there's a big double wedding at the end. <laughs> yes. Uh, what about you, Sol? What would you do with it? Well, I would have been pitching a Planet Hulk adaptation with Thor and uh, Bruce Banner kind of doing a buddy cop movie, because I've been saying they should do that for ages, but mm. that appears to be exactly what they are doing with <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. And, oh, right. Uh, oh. So, yeah. uh, I've had to come up with something else. <laughs> um, that, that's something I should mention. Uh, they seem to be borrowing heavily from the Planet Hulk comics, which basically is this whole thing where Hulk got ejected off into space, banished into space, because he was too dangerous to have on Earth, and he was really pissed off, and he ended up going around, like, these different planets, and becoming a gladiator, because they these planets had a kind of old-school Roman vibe about them, and mm. pitted species of different aliens against each other <sighs> in combat. And... Do you know what? I really hate comic books. It's just a, such a load of old shite in it. What's wrong with that? 
That does it does seem like that's I what mean, they're doing. I mean, if he was if he was battling with depression and the death of his son, you'd be all over yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting. So, um, I'm gonna do something with Beta Ray Bill instead. Who? You're gonna have to give us a bit of background there. So, I mean, he he's a character who may very well. <laughs> he's a character end up that having... Beta Ray. <laughs> Sorry, go on. He's a character who may very well end up having a cameo in Thor Ragnarok, to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me. Or, like, turning up in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or something. So, this film will start with his origin story, explaining what he is. So, this is kind of like the cold open here, Mm. before you get to Thor. Uh, You have Bill's race, the Corbinites. Um, No, they're not radical (laughs) left-wing communists. (laughs) Calm down. <laughs> uh, the Corbinites saw their galaxy exploded, and uh, the survivors fled in a fleet of warships led by a sentient ship called Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. <laughs> and they run across Thor, and the ship attacks him, because they, they recognise the Asgardian magic to be... The, the ship reads it to be the same as the the threat they were running away from for some reason. So it's a a mistaken identity case, and they think that Thor's there to finish them off, and one thing leads to another, but it turns out that this guy, Bill, who's like a weird horse-looking thing, um, (laughs) just for the record, um, he's able to lift uh, Molnir, am I saying that right? The the hammer? Yeah. So Odin, (laughs) Odin proposes a battle to the death in uh, Skarthheim, the Asgardian realm, and they both knock each other out, rendering each other unconscious, and uh, Bill's resistance to heat allows him to recover before Thor, so he wins. But then he saves Thor from falling into some lava, and they become mates. So that's the or- that's what we're going to have in this film. There's also a story arc called Blood and Thunder, where Thor is basically driven insane and goes crazy and becomes a a massive threat to the universe. So a group of Thors from different realities, because they have all the different universes and the multiverse thing going on in the comics, uh, that are known as Thor Corp, band together to stop him. I, I, I want to smash these two comic stories together, basically, we we intercut it with a sort of unchronological approach to it, but basically we set up a third act where Beta Ray Bill has to lead the team of different universe Thors into battle against Arthur, who's gone evil, gone mad. But I think that's some nice elements there. You've got your cosmic stuff, and I like the idea of a team of Thors. You can actually have them played by Liam Hemsworth and and who the other one is. Hmm. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Marvel doing their stuff. It's good, isn't it? I like it. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's Thor. Next week, we're back on the horror tip with Halloween Spooktacular. Yes, the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) I'm so scared. Is that a quote? She does that, doesn't she? Something like that. I think so. Yeah. Calvin, why are you stood staring at the corner? Oh my god. It's not that interesting. <laughs>
Oh god, this is weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. a, a rare moment of clarity from Sala. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs>